Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. A few weeks ago, we took a few moments and I shared with you from John chapter 4 about the woman at the well. This was two weeks ago last week. Of course, we talked about control versus surrender and what a surrendered life looks like. Um, A few weeks ago, like I said, in John 4, we talked about the woman at the well. We talked about what Jesus offered her, how Jesus offered her love and acceptance and grace and mercy and how she was... Um, she was kind of the outcast of the town and how no matter where we find ourselves, no matter where we see ourselves, no matter where we've been, what we've done, where we're at that very moment, Jesus welcomes us in. Jesus accepts us. We don't have to change anything for Jesus to love us. We don't have to change anything for Jesus to, um, to save us. Um, he's just that good of a God that he loves no matter what. He accepts no matter what. He welcomes in any and all, everybody, including you and me, no matter where we at or where we have been. Um, God is there for you and for me today. Today, I want to share with you two more things that Jesus offers you and offers me. Uh, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 2, but before we get there, let me preface this whole deal with this. Anything that Jesus offers you, anything that Jesus can give you, love, grace, mercy, um, anything, acceptance, anything that we've talked about before and the two things we're going to talk about today, those things can only be found in Jesus. Here's what I mean. We may think we can find love in other people, and we do have people that love us. I hope you have people in your life that love you today. I hope so. If not, count me as yours. Count me as the one that loves you. If nobody else loves you, I love you. If nobody else will help you out, I got you. If nobody else will help you move, like pack up your house, I'll find you some help. I'll find you some help. By the way, can I say this? I, I don't have the authority to give out free tickets to heaven, but if I did, anybody that has ever helped me move they get one, right? We helped a guy move one time at the church. A couple of guys from Foster Street helped this guy move. We got to his house. He had nothing packed, nothing. Just had boxes stacked up on the side, empty. I ain't going to tell you this guy's name because you may know him. I said, hey, buddy. I said, how come there ain't nothing in these boxes? He said, I don't know, man. I said, you don't know, man. <laughs> so there I was throwing shirts and boxes, unfolding a thing. We were just throwing them in there, picking them up, putting them in the truck. Oh, it was terrible, terrible. Anyway, if you've ever helped somebody move, you're going to heaven for free. You're in, shoe in, got a free ticket. I had a buddy of mine's helped me move twice. Guaranteed he's going to heaven. No matter what happens from there on out, he's in. 
Um, today, you probably have people, hopefully you have people in your life today that love you, but know that true love and real love, it only comes through Jesus Christ. Today, you have my love. Know today you have mine. But know today that you have it because Jesus loved me first. Does that make sense? 1 John 4.19 says, we love because what? He loved us first. If I have encouraged you at all today or at all ever, know that I did that because I was encouraged. People that do me wrong, people that's hurt me, that I have forgiven, I'm able to do that because I have been forgiven. So when I say that, oh, that love comes from Jesus, true acceptance, true grace, true mercy, it comes from Jesus. Now we can give it to each other and we can get it from somebody else and we can see it in lives and people's lives and families and friends around us, but it comes from the Lord first. Does that make sense? Everybody follow? Lots of times we get ourselves in a great deal of trouble, y'all, when we start looking for heavenly answers in earthly places. When we start looking for people to do for us, or we start looking for um, groups of people, or we start looking for culture, or we start looking for a country, or we start looking for a government to do for us what only Jesus can do for us. I want to just share with you quickly before we get talking about these other two things, that anything that the Lord offers you today only comes from Him. It can only be found in Him and in Him alone. Does that make sense? All right. Wonderful. Mark chapter 2. This is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. I love it so much. Let me give you a little background, people, about the little background people, a little background information about the book of Mark. Mark was a disciple. He, was, uh, he wrote this book for the Romans. The Roman people were known to like action, to like activity. So when you read through the book of Mark, you won't see a lot of Jesus sitting around preaching. You see a lot of Jesus doing stuff, going places, healing people, um, casting out demons. You see a lot of activity from Jesus. You read the first 15 verses of Mark chapter 1, and that kind of gives your background of the life of Jesus. And then the rest of the whole book, you see Jesus doing stuff. You see Jesus portrayed as a servant sent from the Father in heaven to earth to take care of people here on earth. Everybody follow? All right, here we go. Let's read. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Verse 4, since they could not get, to, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, uh, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging, through, by digging through it and then lowered the mat and the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiving. Now, some of the uh, teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And Jesus said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So, he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
verse 12. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this before. I love that story so much for a couple of different reasons. One, you have a uh, Jesus preaching to a lot of people. Two, you have a buddy that needed help and four friends helped him. Three, you have the four friends that would stop at nothing to get their friend to Jesus. They even vandalized the man, somebody else's house, just to get the guy to Jesus. Four, you have Jesus forgiving sins. You have Jesus healing a body. And five, you have Jesus, I don't want to say making the teachers and the religious people look like fools, but he kind of showed them what was up. He showed them who was in charge. He showed them who was the boss by forgiving sin and healing the body. I love that story so much. Two things that Jesus offers us, we find one here, and we'll talk about the other one in the next few verses. And the first one is Christianity 101, is that forgiveness is only found in Jesus. Jesus, we talked about a few weeks ago with the woman at the well, offers you grace, mercy, and acceptance. Here we see that Jesus offers forgiveness. Please know today that the number one priority when Jesus comes to you is forgiveness. This man come to Jesus looking for physical healing he left with spiritual healing. Did Jesus care about his physical body? Somebody talk to me. Of course he did. Of course he did. But the more pressing need, the biggest need, the more concerning need that this guy had was not his legs, was not him being able to walk, but was his soul, was his heart, was his forgiveness. And that is what you see Jesus speak to, and that's what you see Jesus minister to first. Jesus got to his legs. He got to his physical body. But the first thing Jesus said was, Son, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. I am encouraged today that God's not impressed with the outside work that I do. He's looking on the inside. Jesus is looking at your heart today. Now, is Jesus concerned about your physical body? Yes. Of course he is. Of course he is. But the more pressing need, the more pressing concern is what's going on on the inside. Jesus is here for your heart. Jesus is here for your soul. The word says that he came to seek and to save the lost. He came for your forgiveness. He came for your sins. He came as payment for your sins so that you and I could live in heaven for all of eternity with him forever and ever. While the world may look on the outside and only notice what's happening on the outside, Jesus is looking on the inside. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at your soul. And he knows you not on an outside level, but he knows you on an inside level. To people in your life today, you may only be good to them. You may only be valuable to them because of what you can do for them on the outside. You have people like that in your life? To a boss, you may be the best employee they've ever seen. Or you may be the worst employee they've ever seen. I don't know. To your neighbor, you may be the best neighbor they've ever had. Or you may be that loud neighbor that makes too much noise on a Saturday night while everybody's trying to sleep. 
To some of your buddies, you may be the best friend they've ever had. To some of your enemies, you may be the worst person they know. To the waiter or waitress at the restaurant this afternoon, you may be the best customer they've had all day, or you may be the worst customer <laughs> they've had all day. Let me kind of give you a challenge. Don't be the worst customer they've had all day. Right? I hate the stigma that Sunday afternoons are the worst time to work in a restaurant. I hate it so much. I hate it so much because everybody knows that those are church people. That should be the best time to work. That's where workers should be, should see the most patient in people. That's where workers should see the most love and the most um, grace with people. When they mess your order up, just smile and say, okay, thank you. That's all you got to do. Right? Right. Okay. Jesus is looking, what? Generosity. Yes. Wonderful. Jesus is looking on the inside of us. While the world looks on the outside, he is looking on the inside. What we find here in Scripture later on, we see that Jesus is talking to some Pharisees. And he says this about Pharisees. He says, Pharisees, you guys praise me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. The way that Jesus knew their heart was far from them is because Jesus is looking on the inside of you and I today. Two principles at play here. Number one don't let the world lie to you. Don't let the world make you believe. Don't let the enemy make you believe that because you look like you have everything together on the outside, the inside is just as good. How many of you know the outside can look really good, but the inside can be a mess? You ever been there? I have. There have been times in my life where you think, man, Michael's doing good. He looks good, family's good, got his junk together. No. If you could see what was on the inside, you could see that Michael was broken. You could see that Michael was hurt. You could see that Michael's junk didn't look as good on the inside as it does the outside. Can I encourage you that if you're messed up on the inside, it's okay if you find yourself today in a mess, if you find yourself today heartbroken, if you find yourself today in trouble, if you find yourself today in a valley, if you find yourself today in a struggle or in trials or in tribulation, and you're just trying your best to hold it all together so that it looks like you've got your junk together, it's okay. It's okay. Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knows what you're going through on the inside. He knows where you're at. He knows where you've been. He knows what you're facing today. He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You don't have to put on a mask and you don't have to pretend that everything is great and hunky-dory and amazing when on the inside your life is absolutely falling apart. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. You don't have to hide from him. You don't have to pretend for the Lord. The first song we sung about the Father's house, there's a line in there that says, leave your shame at the door. Why? Because there's no shame here. Your life's a mess. Welcome to the club. Right? You're hurting today. Welcome to the club. You're in a fight today. Welcome to the club. 
We've all had times in our life where we've struggled. We've all had times in our life where we've hurt. We all had times in our life where we messed up. We all have situations in our, li- in our life where we sh- did one thing and we should have done another and it caused a mess. We've all had times when our life seems like it's spiraling out of control. I just want you to know today the Lord knows and the Lord still shows love and grace and mercy and acceptance and we see here that Jesus forgives forgiveness starts on the inside and it's something that he can only he can do for you and I today I hope you're encouraged today being in father's house I hope we've kind of created an environment here where you can come in and feel safe feel loved, feel accepted, feel prayed for, be encouraged, and to know that if you're not okay, it's okay. Jesus knows. He knows the inside. The second principle at play here is something that has I believe, has hindered the church for years and hindered believers for years. And that is the lie, the untruth, that you can do good on the outside and be rewarded on the inside. Please know today there's nothing that you can do to earn the salvation and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Nothing. You can try. You can give it a shot. You can do your good works. I'm all for good works. I love good works. But good works start from a good inside and flow from the outside. Does that make sense? I got some buddies of mine in Denton, some of my boys, some boys that I love to death, some boys that I would do absolutely anything for, some buddies that if they called me right now and they needed me, we would wrap this thing up in a heartbeat and I would go help these boys out. If I called them right now, they would do, leave whatever they're doing to come do for me whatever it is I needed done. Some boys that love me that are my boys. My boys have helped me out a lot. I told you about my buddy that's helped me move twice. Free ticket to heaven. I've got boys in Denton that care for me, that have helped me a lot over the years, have bought me food, have lent me money, have really been there, have been my best friends my whole life. They do a lot of good stuff on the outside. But I know that their hearts are far from the Lord on the inside. That good stuff they do does not mean heaven. That good stuff they do will not earn them salvation. Does not grant them forgiveness. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. Forgiven people do. And that, my friends, is only found in what Jesus can do for you on the inside. Now, you may be thinking, well, what in the world does good works have to do? Here's what good works, here's how good works work. It starts from the inside and flows from your heart out to your life. 
We've talked about this before. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the overflow of the heart speaks the mouth. If you speak loving words today, it's because of what's inside your heart. It's because the work God has done on the inside comes through on the outside. The same way with good works. It's what's been done for us on the inside that we do what we do. I love because I've been loved. I serve because I've been served. I worship because he is worthy. I forgive because I've been forgiven. Anything that happens out here starts in here. Does that make sense? Don't believe the lie that this out here is where forgiveness is found. Forgiveness can only be done by Jesus on the inside. Amen? Let's look at the second thing that Jesus offers us this morning. One, he offers us forgiveness. Two, he offers us fulfillment. Let's read verses 15, says this, 15 through 22 says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, uh, and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who are the Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the, and the disciples, um, I lost my spot. How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. Then Jesus says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the new piece will pull away, and the old making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they put new wine into new wineskins. What's the point of what Jesus is saying there? Here's the point. Jesus gives us three examples of how he can fulfill us on the inside. Number one, he tells us that he's a doctor. He says he's a physician. He says, I came to heal. I came to be a doctor. I come to call the unrighteous, not the righteous. He says, it's not the healthy people who need the doctor. It's the sick people who need the doctor. Anybody like going to the doctor? Of course not. Of course not. Anybody got a doctor visit this week? A couple of you. Wonderful. Better you than me. That's all I'm saying. Better you than me. What's the point of Jesus being a doctor? Here's the point of Jesus being a doctor. Jesus is the ultimate physician. He provides the perfect diagnosis. He fulfills the ultimate cure. And even better news than that, he pays the total price. Jesus provides the diagnosis. When we look at our life compared to his, we see where we fall short. He provides the ultimate cure with the forgiveness of sins. And he paid the ultimate price for the cure, which was his life, death, and resurrection for you and I. 
Whatever you need today, the cure is found in Jesus. The cure has already been paid for. The diagnosis has been made. And it's available to you today. When you read verse 17, it says this. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's easy to read that verse and to think, well, Jesus don't have much to do with good people. Or Jesus don't have much to do with the righteous people. Or Jesus don't have much to do with the holy people. The reason Jesus said what he said, the way he said what he said there, is for you and I today to realize how much we are desperately in need of him. The one person that Jesus cannot help today is the one person who doesn't know they need his help today. It's that healthy person that thinks they have all their stuff together, that knows their stuff, that has all the answers, that doesn't need anything from anybody. That person is the one that Jesus cannot help. But he is the great physician today, and he is available to help you when you need it the most. If you find yourself today in need of hope, the doctor has it. If you find yourself today in needing of healing, the doctor has it. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, purpose, direction, the doctor has the cure. It's available to you. Jesus is there waiting on you to receive it. Amen. Another reason that Jesus compared himself to a doctor is because for the Orthodox Jews, for the Pharisee, for the religious leaders at this time, they viewed um, sinners, they viewed unbelievers as dirty, unholy people, as people they could not be around, they could not associate with. You see it here in this story where um, they said, why is he eating with the tax collectors and the sinners? Like, does Jesus not know who these people are? Because these religious leaders, that's not how they rolled. They, had, they were fearful, living in fear with the uh, sinners because if they got too close or Lord knows if they touched them, their sin, their disease, their affliction may rub off on them. We see this with the lepers, people that, that had leprosy in Scripture. When you read that, obviously they had to go the other side of the road. They had their own colony. You couldn't touch or get too close to them because they thought their affliction would be rubbed off on theirs. So here we see that Jesus calls himself the great physician. What Jesus is saying is this. Come to me. If you're sick, I'm available. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not going to turn you away. I'm not going to push you to the side. I will welcome you in with open arms. I am the doctor that can provide the cure, and I am the doctor that will take care of you out of love, grace, and mercy. Jesus is saying, don't get me confused with these other religious leaders that push away the outcast, that push away the sinner, that push away the lepers. I'm the one that welcomes them in. What's that got to do with you and me today? Simple. I don't care how bad you are. Jesus is still there for you. I don't care where you've been. Jesus still welcomes you in. I don't care what you were doing last night. 
Jesus is still there welcoming you in, ready to forgive, ready to show grace and mercy, ready to give you everything that he has available to him. He is ready to give it to you no matter where you've been, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done before. It doesn't matter. Jesus forgives always. Amen. The second thing we see Jesus uh, describe himself as is a bridegroom, is the husband in a relationship. All through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, we see this example of Jesus being the groom, the church, us, the believers being the bride of Jesus. The whole book of Hosea is all about the relationship of the father of a God and us and being the groom and being the bride and our, our relationship with the Lord being a marriage between him and us. Here's the deal. What's the point? Here's the point. When Callie and I got married in 2009, a long time ago, you're getting older. So am I. When we got married, everything she had became mine. Everything I had, all of my old wrestling movies, my basketball cards, they all became hers. Everything I had was hers. Everything she has is mine. Our lives were united. Two became one. We tell, I was telling TJ just last night how mom and I are tag team. I know everything she knows. She knows everything I know. We work together. He's not going to ask mom and she say no, and then him come to me and ask me and expect me to say yes because he's tried. <laughs> mom and dad, you been there? Yep, yep, yep. Don't work in our house because I don't ever give him an answer. I say, go ask mom. Whatever mom says. So that way, I don't ever get in trouble. He ain't fooling me because I don't answer. And if I do answer, I'll say, have you asked mom? And then he says, no. Then I'll give the answer first. So that way, if anybody gets fooled, it's Kelly and not me because I answered first. And then sometimes I'll answer in a loud enough voice that she hears me. I'm like, no, TJ. I'm thinking, did Kelly hear that? I hope she did, because if she heard it, then she'll say no to, especially when it's something that I don't want to mess with. It's great. It's great. It's wonderful. Being a parent's the best thing ever. I love it so much. I love it so much. I mean, I can spank a kid anytime I want to, just for the sake of spanking a kid. It's amazing. It's great. Don't call Child Protective Services, okay? I'm joking. I'm kidding. I love kids. I love my kids. I love yours. They're great. Jesus says, I'm a bridegroom. I'm the husband. I love. I protect. I provide. I lead. I guide. I take care of. I meet needs. I'm the husband. You may have had an earthly marriage that didn't work out here. Don't get that marriage confused with our marriage with the Lord. He's the perfect husband. He loves when we can't. 
He provides when we can't. He leads and guides when we can't. He gives a hug when our hugs aren't good enough. He accepts when we want to push away. Jesus says, I'm the bridegroom. You're the bride. Come here. Start a relationship with me. Be a part of this family. With me as the leader. And me as the one to do for you what only I can do for you. And finally, the third thing we see, Jesus compares his mission, his role with cloth, clothes, and a patch. Putting a patch on a garment with a hole in it. Now listen, I know nothing about clothes making. Got no clue. I did take a clothing and design class in high school. Two reasons. One, it was my senior year, second semester, senior year, and the teacher loved me. So I thought, this is going to be pretty easy. Two, there was a young lady in the class that I knew had signed up for it, and I was trying to sit beside her, and I thought it would be really cool if I could get in her class and hang out with her. I found out she's not half as cool as Callie, not half as good, because you're the best. But I took a clothing and design class. I knew nothing, y'all, nothing. I still know very little. I know if you got an iron and you push the button and water comes out and you iron over it, it'll steam up. I love it so much. I don't know what the steam does. I don't know what the water does, but I know it steams up. I love it. I know nothing about clothes. But here we see Jesus You don't says you don't take a new patch and put it on an old piece of clothes. Reason being, I do know that unless the new patch has been worn a little bit, unless it's been washed and dried and kind of tussled around, it will pull away from the old garment. What's the point of Jesus saying this? The point is this. When forgiveness is found in Jesus, when fulfillment is found in Jesus, there are times in your life and there's times in my life where we've got to pull away from stuff. Jesus doesn't come to forgive so that you can continue to live with the same life, in the same garment, in the same way you were doing before. There are some things in your old life that may can mesh up with a new life. And there are some things in your old life after meeting Jesus that may need to be torn apart, that may need to be torn away, that may need to be thrown away. It may be people, it may be places, it may be situations, it may be certain things in your life that does not mash up and does not mesh up with the new life that God is calling you to. And Jesus is saying this, cut it off, pull it away, tear it up, throw it away because of the new life that he has given you. Now, can we be honest this morning? That's not easy. Right? They have a saying that old, old habits die hard, and that is true. When something's been a part of our life or somebody's been a part of our life for years and years and years, and then God gives you a new life, and whatever they or that situation or those people or that place doesn't mesh up with the new life that Jesus gave you, 
it can be hard. It can be hard to pull that old patch off. But Jesus is saying this, it's worth it. Because if you don't, it's going to mess up the new life. The old patch can mess up the new life. The old patch can hinder the new life. The old patch can start to take away the new life. And Jesus says, rip it off. Can I encourage you today that if there's anything in the old life that doesn't match with the new life, let it go. It's not worth it. It may feel like it is sometime, but it's not. If there's anybody in your life today, any person that's from the old life, that's not matching up with the new life, let them go. Let them go. The last thing you need in your new life is old distractions. The last thing you need in your new life is old people trying to pull you back to the old life. Now, does that mean you can be a jerk to them? No. You can be nice. <laughs> you can be loving. You can still be Christ-like. You can even still be friends. But it means they don't have the influence over you that they used to have. That place doesn't have the same priority in your life today as it used to. Jesus says, rip it off. Let it go. Today, Jesus Christ offers you forgiveness and offers you fulfillment on the inside. New life begins here and comes out here. You want to change something on the outside? Dad, you want to be a better dad? You want to be a better husband? Mom, you want to be a better mom, a better wife, a better friend, a better employer or a better employee? You want to have better actions? I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But it starts in here. It's what Jesus does for us here comes out here. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's pray together. God, again, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story we read here in Mark chapter 2. We thank you for this guy's friends that got him to Jesus. And God, we thank you for forgiveness and for life change. God, we thank you for fulfillment and what you can offer us, what you can do for us inside our hearts. God, today I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for my friends. I pray for myself that we will find forgiveness in you. Lord, there's nothing more important today than forgiveness. Forgiveness is the greatest miracle. It costs the greatest price, and it has the most long-lasting results. So God, I pray today for any sin that may be in our life. God, I pray that you will point it out. I pray that you will call it out. And God, I pray we will seek you and find forgiveness in you and in you alone. 
God, I also pray today that we will find fulfillment in you. I pray that if we are looking for physical healing, if we're looking for spiritual healing, God, if we're looking for emotional healing, God, I pray that we will find it in the good, the great physician. I pray that we'll find it in you, the doctor that has the ultimate cure and has paid the ultimate price. And God, I pray today that if there's anything in our old life trying to creep up into our new life, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you will give us the strength, you will give us the courage to rip it off. To cut it off. To push it away. And Lord, don't let that, don't let those things creep into our new life with you. God, thank you so much for loving us. Lord, thank you so much for caring for us. Thank you so much for being available for forgiveness. God, thank you for Jesus living, dying, and resurrecting all for us. Lord, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.